NBC Arlington, what's good? How you guys doing tonight? We all right? Man, I'm going to tell you guys, one of the things that I pray often for at NBC Arlington is that we will be free in our worship. When we sing to God and we respond to him and his preached word, I pray that I pray for a bit of freedom. I'm not praying for crazy, right? I've been in churches where the response to, to, to what we have in Christ is to bend on the orderly, but I, I mean free. And this is what I mean. Man, the words that we just sang about how Jesus is the King of Kings and how we walk through the gospel, that should cause our, heart to, our hearts to leap if you've experienced the love of God. When you think about your past and where you were, that you were on a hellbound race, that you were completely dead of your sins and trespasses, and yet the God of the universe would send his son out of love for you. His son would die a death in your place for your sin, and that he would rise and give you the opportunity to place your faith and trust in him. That should cause your heart to leap. That should cause you to raise your hands. That should cause you to sing and worship. And the reason why I say that is not, it's, it's, it's not anything. It's because when we look at the scriptures— especially the Psalms, anytime you see the people of Israel together praising God, you know what you see? You see a visible response. You see people clapping, you see people shouting, you see people dancing. And so I want us to take a moment, I want you to give a hand for the Lord Jesus Christ because he saved you, he redeemed you, amen. He has been so good to us. And my prayer today is this. Is that as a result of the word preached today, that you will understand more and more the great love that God has for you and that you will reflect that. And today, if you don't know that love, if you haven't experienced the fact that the Spirit is willing to dwell inside of you all because of what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary, I pray that you will come to know of that today. Uh, with all that said, I haven't even introduced myself. My name is Eric. I am one of the pastors here. Go ahead and turn to John 13. Uh, John 13, that's where we're going to be tonight. Uh, we're going to start from verse 31, move on down to verse 35. If you are new, welcome. Uh, we want to get to know you better. We want you to get to know us better. And tonight, I'm going to give you really some, hopefully, some clear ways that you can get more involved in the church, see what we're all about. So listen up. And if you don't really hear anything during the sermon, uh, make sure you talk to someone in one of the blue shirts. And they can help you understand all that is going on uh, in our church uh, right now. And so a couple of quick announcements before we dive in. Y'all, we are moving back to Arlington soon. It's going to happen, yes. Uh, we hope somewhere between the next four and six weeks. Don't hold me to that. Well, I know, I, I'm pretty sure y'all are done holding me to dates. And so I just keep tossing them out there, you know. Uh, but listen, what we're doing right now is we're waiting to get an air-conditioned unit. Um, into the building. After that, we'll have a final inspection, and then after that, we can move in. But over the next couple of weeks, they're pretty much getting everything done besides the AC unit in the wall. Uh, but before um, I get into the sermon, I did want to show you guys a few photos. Um, do we have the photos on the screen? Yeah, so what you have right here, this is kind of the main lobby area. This was last week. They've actually done a lot more to it. So they'll put flooring in, and our prayers, that will be a place in which Many people experience hospitality, and let's keep going. So that is going to be the main auditorium. That, black, that back um, part is pretty much the stage. Uh, you'll be able to fit about 400, well, not about, exactly, 464 shares inside of that auditorium. Can't wait to worship God there. And that's classroom space. You see those garage doors right there? And so 
Uh, what we wanted to do was to use our building for a variety of different activities. And so you're able to uh, cordon off a room for a smaller group, and you're able to lift up garage doors to fit more people in. Our hope and our prayer is that many people will grow and come to know Jesus as a result of our presence uh, in Arlington. And so, man, I'm excited. But what's most exciting to me is this. It is in the building, y'all. I tell y'all all the time, man, that building that we're building is concrete and glass. Like, it's, it, it, it's not going to be there in 40, 50, 60 years. But what I'm most excited about is that that building is actually giving us a platform for us to be a faithful presence in the city of Arlington. See, my hope and my prayer is that wherever we are in the city of Arlington and beyond, our neighborhoods and our works, that we will always seize the opportunity to give witness to the kingdom of God to everyone that's around us, including our church building. And so I'm excited about that. And so, okay, let me do this. I'm going to read the text. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into it tonight. All right, let's pray together. Oh, let me read the text first, and then let's pray together. Uh, John 13, uh, verses 31 through, thir- um, through, th- through 35. Let's go. When he had gone out, and that he is Judas, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you, are, you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so happy, so overjoyed that we could be called your children. Father, I pray that we will understand that you love us and that you care for us and that our circumstances do not always tell us or our circumstances aren't always indications of how well we have it. But the fact that we can look at the cross at Calvary and the fact that we can be called your children, that's an indication that we have it good. We are your children and you care for us and you love us. Help us to imitate that love. God, may we respond to your word tonight as we should. God, we can come to church so long and so much that, 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 we, that, that, that we think it's useful information, that we can take it or leave it, that we can leave here without applying it. But Father, I pray that we'll be careful to hear and careful to respond to what we hear in faith and obedience tonight. Will you help us? And I pray these things in the only way that I can, that's in the name of Jesus. And so I pray these things in his name. And if you agree, say amen, amen. Hey guys, so there is a game, it's a game that I don't like uh, very much. It's a game called Gestures. Have you ever played? Anybody ever played the game Gestures? No one, a couple. Okay, got you. I'm not very good at it, but it's a game where you can't use words, right? Gestures is kind of like it sounds. It's a game of gestures. You are given a name on a card and you're supposed to stand in front of people or your team 
And you're supposed to gesture in a way that those around you will declare accurately what your gesture prefers to. And so since so little of you guys know what the game of gestures is, we are going to play it really quickly. And so I want to call out Luke. Luke, can you come out real quick? Give it up for Luke real quick. My man. And Luke, we are going to play the game of gestures. I'm going to give you this word, and I'm going to time you guys. You got 15 seconds for you to tell me what he's trying to act out. So here's your word. All right, so I'll give you a mark. Ready, set, go. Oh, man, that was easy. Y'all are good. Give it up. (laughs) Appreciate it, sir. That's all I needed. That's it. Thank you. That's it. Give it up for Luke again. All right, so listen, uh, you get the hint. Uh, In this game, from the vantage point of the person on stage, you know, you're kind of limited. You don't have something that feels so necessary to communication, and what you're trying to do is get across the concept um, through gestures and movements. So the more precise your gestures are, the more helpful you are to the people observing you. And so Luke was really good at it. You guys were able to get it. So I want you to hold that thought. Hang with me here. When you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, listen to me, we together, we become a gesturing community. I'm going to spend my time together actually explaining what that means. Because it means this, that all of us, when we become a disciple of Jesus Christ, what we end up doing is we, we point to a reality beyond us. When I think about our church, when I think about our location, NBC Arlington, God in his sovereignty is putting us in the community of Arlington so that our lives together points to a beautiful reality. And how crazy would it be if someone was looking at Luke playing gestures up here and you were thinking, wow, those movements are so beautiful. That's, it's that interpretive dance. No, because the moment of the, the purpose of gestures and movements is ultimately not for you to gaze at them, but for them to point to a reality beyond it. And so today, as a people that live and work and play in the city of Arlington and all around it, I want us to consider what the church should look like in the city. And I want you to consider today, John 13, what will our gestures? How we should live. Uh, I know this concept is way up here, but hang with me because today we're going to answer three questions tonight. We're going to answer what do our gestures point to? What specific gestures should we use to point to a reality beyond ourselves? And then the ultimate question when you're playing a game, can I get help? So here's my first question tonight that we're going to address. Here it is. What do our gestures point to? Hang with me. Look at verse 35. In this text, in verse 35, Jesus is telling the disciples this. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's the answer to the question. You see that in the word, my disciples. He says, by this, you will know that you are my disciples, Jesus' disciples, that our gestures, our movement in the world, all that we say to, and do is meant to refer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. You may look at me and you'll be like, all right, cool. That's the answer to the question. Pack it up. Let's go home. Sermon over. 
But I want to dive a bit deeper in the text because let me give you some context. I hope that it will drive it home a bit more deeply. See, in John 13, let me give you context. Jesus is preparing his disciples for a time in which he will not be physically present with them any longer. See, the context of John 13 is the Last Supper. And at the beginning of John 13, actually in verse, um, in, in verse 1, it actually says this. It says that Jesus knows that his hour has come. If you've read the Gospels before, very often, Jesus is often saying, my hour has not yet come, my hour has not yet come, my hour has not yet come. Anytime he does a miracle and people are trying to crown him king, he, try to try, he tries away from that because he says, my hour has not yet come. And it's clear here that when Jesus is talking about his hour, other people didn't know this, but he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. He's talking about when he would die and take upon himself the sin of the world, and he would rise in victory and ascend to his Father again. So the hour, what he's declaring right now, the hour where he would pay for the sin of the world is finally here. And Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for this, for when he would die, rise, and ascend to the Father. But hang with me, look at verse 21, uh, 31. 31 says, And when he had gone out, but he is Judas, Judas has just left the Last Supper. He's about to go sell Jesus out and set into motion the events of Jesus' crucifixion. So when he had gone out, Judas, Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God would also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Jesus is saying here that now that he is headed to the cross— He's trying to declare here, listen, that the cross, in the cross what we see is the glory, the majesty, and the beauty of God. I'll put it a different way. When we see the glory of, when we see the glory of Jesus, we see the glory of the Father, we see the glory of the Godhead at the foot of the cross. All this is say, there is no greater place than to gaze at the glory, the beauty of God than at the cross of Calvary. So interesting, in, 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 in verse 31, it uses the title Son of Man. When you read Daniel 7 in the Old Testament, the Son of Man was a figure that, 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 um, that, 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 that was related to glory. And you see in this text that he's pulling on that Old Testament picture of the Son of Man. He's saying the way to glory is the cross. So Jesus is preparing his disciples for that he would die, rise again, and, and, and ascend to the Father. And he knows what's going to happen if he doesn't prepare the disciples. He knows what they're thinking. They're thinking this, how in the world would this movement continue without Jesus? See, just like in gestures, we're thinking, how do we communicate this word that's in front of us when we don't have something so necessary to communication, namely words? Something like that, Jesus is preempting this question from the disciples. They're thinking, how do I communicate the kingdom of God without something that seems so necessary to communicating it, namely the king? They're thinking, how do I communicate Jesus accurately when we don't have the word made flesh with us? How do we live in a way that causes the world around us to look at us, to see what we're gesturing at, and to say, Jesus? How do we do that? And in this text, what Jesus is saying is that if you are precise with your gestures, the world will see me. 
Listen, our words and deeds as followers of Jesus Christ are meant to powerfully show Jesus to the world around us so they not only declare Jesus but end up believing in him as well. And NBC Arlington, I want to drive this home to you today. Listen to me. We have an incredible privilege and responsibility to image Jesus in this world. God has placed us in the city of Arlington, not for us to be relaxed, not for us to say, praise you, Jesus. Yes, he wants us to do that. But he placed us in Arlington for a reason, and that reason is that he's placed us on mission so that we'll be a people who gesture to the kingdom. And in order for the world, in order for us to show the world Jesus, in order for us to gesture through our, through our actions together, Jesus, listen to me, we have to be a people who are shaped and formed like Jesus. In order to show the word Jesus, we need to be formed into the image of Jesus. And here's the thing, guys, I'm not just talking about go to church and read your Bible. I'm talking we need to be shaped and formed in the image of Jesus so that when life surprises us, when life hits us, we respond in a way that Jesus responded. What do I mean by that? Well, ultimately, what I'm describing to you is discipleship. And the question we should ask ourselves is, how are we formed and shaped so that when life surprises us, our reflexes and responses are those of our Savior Jesus? Guys, hear me today. Your character spills out when you're put on the spot. Let me explain. For some of us, at work, it is easy, it's easier for us to be nice to the unbearable person at the office. Let me tell you why. It's because of this. It's because you're ready. It's because you're like, man, I only got to make it eight hours. You talk to your friend about this person ahead of time. You got some prayer. You got some advice. You got it off your chest. And you already know if you go off on this person in your office, you'll get fired. So you have incentive to not do that. So you prepare yourself. However, let someone cut you off in traffic on the way to work. You see, you, you, you're going off in your car. Why is that? The reason why is because you weren't ready for that. So what's in you automatically came out of you. It was reflexive. Here's the thing. One of the surest tests of what's in you is what spills out when you're put on the spot. And I say all of this to say this, my prayers for NBC Arlington is that we will be disciples, and part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is by the power of the Spirit, giving our lives over to practices that will shape us to the core so that what spills out of us when we're put on a spot is the character of Jesus. For some of us, this feels so impossible, and it is without the Spirit of God. But here's the thing, we got to know this. Discipleship is not just about doing the right thing. Discipleship is about you being sanctified, you becoming a new person, namely like Jesus Christ. So we'll get more specific, but I want you to hang with me, because here's the next question I wanted us to answer. So we just answered the question, who, does our, who do our justice refer to? As a community, we are here to gesture towards the risen one, namely Jesus. But the next question I told you guys that I would answer is, what specific gestures do we use? And I want you to look at verse 34. Verse 34 says this. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also love one another. Hear this. 
In order to give witness to Jesus, we must learn, listen to me, how to love. How to love. If we are a gesturing community, if we are called to gesture to Jesus Christ, so when the world sees our actions, they automatically say Jesus. Well, the gesture that leads people to, to, to declare Jesus and believes in him is when they see a community together loving one another. Man, it's funny. It's funny how family members take after uh, one another. Man, already I see this uh, in, in, in actually one of my sons. Not just the way that he looks. I mean, he looks just like me, pretty much. But it is really the, the, his, his mannerisms and his gestures. Uh, I remember talking to my oldest son, and I told him something that he clearly didn't want to do. And instead of frowning, he raised one eyebrow. And I looked at him, and he's like four. I looked at him, I'm like, yo, where in the world did you get that from? And I heard my wife immediately from across her room say, you do that. And I guess the eyebrow raise is a Saunders trait that I got from someone else as well. And what Jesus is doing is that he, he's doing something similar. He's calling out a trait, a gesture that followers of Jesus should take on from Jesus himself, and that is one of love. Y'all, our mannerisms and our gestures and our manner of speech give witness that we are of the family of God when they are ones of love. And I want to get even more specific than that, because that's simple, love one another, you can leave or whatever, but I want to get more specific. This is what he says in the text. Look at it in verse 34. He says, love one another. What does he say? Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Y'all, check this out. He doesn't just say love one another. Read the phrase again. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I love you, you also are to love one another. Here's the thing. Check this out. Jesus says he's giving a new commandment. But check this out. The commandment to love was not new. Jesus had already previously summarized the whole Old Testament law. What does he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The command to love isn't the new part. Listen to me. The kind of love that, he com- that he's commanding here is new. He says, love, what's the new part? As I have loved you. Let me give you an example. So my mom remarried uh, a couple of years ago, and she married to a man who used to be in the, in the Army. And as you, some of you guys know, Army vets and those, and man, those in armed forces, they, they got a really specific way of doing stuff. So I remember one day, man, we're downstairs, we're folding clothes together, and I thought I was folding clothes too. I thought. And this dude looks at my pile that I felt was neatly folded, and he said, that's not how you fold clothes. He took them, he started folding them himself. I wasn't even mad because I didn't want to fold the clothes no way, right? But, however, my mother's husband had a very specific definition to what constituted a folded sheet, and apparently mine wasn't that. And the reason why I share this is this. The kind of love that leads the world around us to see God among us isn't the love of Hollywood movies. It isn't the love that, that, that we've learned from somewhere else and that we've defined it and brought to the church. No, the kind of love that leads others to see the God or see the God among us is when we imitate the specific love of Jesus Christ. And hear me today, guys. If, you, if we're going to imitate Jesus' love well, here's the thing. You got to know his love. You got to know it. 
Guys, too many of us see the command to love each other in the Bible, and we love like I folded clothes. We love our way. But there's a very specific way to love that gives witness to Jesus Christ, and that's His love. And here's the thing, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, my deep prayer for you is that you would come to know the great love of Jesus Christ. If you've never heard the word gospel before, the word gospel means good news. And the gospel message is something like this. There is a God in heaven. There is a God who has lived in an eternal love relationship with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit have eternity existed in a relationship with love within the Godhead. And God created us not because he needed love, but in order to share his love with the entire universe. He created us so that we can experience the love of the Godhead. And you were made for a purpose. You were made to experience the love of God and to give Him glory. And yet, instead of that, what we did as follow, what we did as human beings created by God is that we sinned against Him. We treated God as if He's not trustworthy, as if He doesn't love us, we love ourselves more than Him, as if He doesn't know what He's talking about. We sinned against Him. The Bible, yes, the Bible calls that sin, and because of our sin, and our disobedience to God, we deserve His wrath, and yet God would not have it that way. God was relentless in His love, and what did He do? He sent His only Son for us. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God Himself, came to earth. He lived a perfect life, the life that you did not live. And He died on the cross taking the punishment that you so deserve for your sin and the punishment that I deserve for my sin. He died and he rose again in victory, proving that he is victorious over sin, death, and the grave so that anyone, any single one of us who would simply trust in Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive us of our sins and believe in him as Lord and follow him, guess what? You can have eternal life and experience the love of God. You can know this love today. Trust in him as your Savior. But I say that as well, that for many of us, even for followers of Jesus Christ, I want to ask you even a, I want to ask you a slightly related question. Do you know how deep God loves you? Do you know that you serve a Savior whose love and approval of you does not wax and wane depending on the day that you're having? Do you know you can't, so many of y'all, man, you out here, man, you're trying to prove yourself to God. Do you know that's not a thing you could do to prove yourself to God, but Jesus has done it all for you? He lavishes love on you that he's not sit, God is not sitting in heaven with his arm crossed thinking, man, all, if only he would be better, I would love him more. If only she would just get this right, she, she'll experience more of my love. No. The concept of grace is that God of heaven has lavished his love upon you, and all we have to do is to simply receive it. But we also know his love, but also when we know his love, we imitate it, guys. Check this out. In order to love like Jesus, we must observe how he loves. And it's crazy here how Jesus says that we must love one another, and previous to this, And actually, after this, Jesus shows us some very specific ways that we need to imitate him to show the world what he's like. At the very beginning of John 13, what is Jesus doing? He is kneeling before his disciples. He is washing their dirty feet. 
Even in John 13, 31 through 35, Jesus is pointing forward to his crucifixion on the cross, his sacrificial death on the cross for our sake. And so when I look at the love of Jesus, man, I see, I see two big ways that we can model his love. We need to be a people who humbly serve, and we need to be a people who sac- sacrificially give. Because here's the thing, guys, that's not how the world around us loves. We often love, as Amy prayed, up until the point that it requires something of us, or it demands something of us. In the city of Arlington, here's the, guy, here's the thing, guys, the Spirit of God has empowered us to love like Jesus, to love sacrificially, to love even when it's hard, to love even when it, even when it presses in on our schedules and our time. Because that's the way that Jesus has loved us. So I'm going to get even more specific with this last question, and we'll close it out. The last question that I have for us today, I, I, I said, I said um, who do our gestures refer to? What are, what are our specific gestures? It's gestures of love, and do we have help? I'll explain what that means, but let's look at verse 35 once again. Verse 35 says this, it says, by, all, by this all people would know that you are my disciples if you have love for who? One another. I love that piece, and let me explain. At the end of that verse, it says that the world will know that you belong to Jesus by the way that you love one another. Listen, in order to gesture to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that the city and the world around us see Jesus clearly, the beautiful thing is this, we have help. You're not like Luke standing on stage by yourself trying to gesture towards love. God has placed you. Many of you, it's in the context of a local church, and the way that we give witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is that we love one another. We do this together. We do this together. Let me be clear here. He says, love one another. But let me be clear here. God has called us to love everybody. But here's the thing. Our love for one another is what most clearly reveals that we are following Jesus. When the church loves one another within the church, here's the thing. You put the love of God on 4K display. Because it's the love that we have for one another that clearly points to Jesus. And this is important because, listen to me, because we tend to downplay the power of the love that we have for one another. We tend to think, oh man, the, 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 the way that Jesus is going to show up and, 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 and people are able to see his love is, that is when I love the lost person. And yeah, yes, God is going to show up in many ways when you do that. But that's more like black and white. It's 4K when people are able to peer to the church and see the sacrificial love we have for one another. It images God. But this is hard. Why is it hard? It's hard because it's easy to love people. It's harder to love specific people. Let me explain. It's easy to love people, people in general. For everybody in this room, you would say, I love people. But let me call out that one name of that person that gets on your nerves. Let me call out that one name that you are harboring bitterness toward and anger towards in your heart. Let me call out the, even the person in the church that rubs you the, right, the wrong way. Jesus has walled off the local church so you can understand, no, you, it's easy for you to say you love people, you care for people in general, but these are very specific people that I'm calling you to love in order for you to point to me. The people who are rough around the edges. The person in your small group that you have nothing in common with. 
the person who is very different than you. The local church is the very specific place that God desires for his people to gesture to his Savior. So this is why if you are a Christian and you are not a member of the local church, this is why we encourage you to become a member. Because there is something deficient about the love that you are displaying to the world when you don't have a group of people that you are loving together. So really quickly before I close, how does this apply to life at NBC Arlington? Let me give you three quick ways as we move into this new season. Number one, we want groups in our church to gesture towards Jesus. We want groups that reveal Jesus. Here at the church, we're moving towards a reality of church groups at NBC Arlington. And I truly believe that this is a healthy move for us, because if you haven't been here recently, historically, we've been in groups, we've been in groups that have been divided demographically. We've had men's groups, women's groups, and married couples groups. And that's been great. It's been great to be in groups in which you share the same life stage as people, and, and, and you, have very similar, um, you have very similar life stories. But let me tell you this, the way that we gesture more clearly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is when you love people that you are extremely different than. And our prayer is that with church groups that we'll experience that. There'll be um, opportunities in the days ahead, we'll clearly announce these even at the end of service, where you can sign up for a church group and get involved, be a part of this picture of gesturing towards the love of Jesus Christ. Not only that, we want not just groups that image Jesus, we want gatherings that point to Jesus. I love this. When the disciples received the command to love one another, what did they do immediately after Jesus left the earth? They started churches. They gathered together as the people of God. And what this means is this, is that we need to be a people who are gatherings reflect Jesus, that we serve one another as Jesus so served us. And we have a number of opportunities to do just that. So if you're looking for opportunities, when we launch in Arlington, I said before that we're trying to launch a launch team of 200 people. Not just 200 people who are sitting in the seats, we definitely already have that. But we want 200 people who are actually serving so that our gatherings mirror the love of Jesus Christ. We want to communicate love for our kids. We want to communicate love for the newcomer. We want to communicate love and care for everyone who is here. And so I want to encourage you to serve on one of those teams. You can go to McLeanBaba.org slash serve and find an area uh, of service. But even more than that, I want us to come to church. Say you don't serve in a ministry. I want you to come to church ready. What do I mean by that? I want us to come here ready to serve rather than be served. See, NBC Arlington, I don't want us to be a whole bunch of spiritual consumers who are here waiting for people to give us something. But I want us to be eager to serve somebody when we come to the church. I want us to be eager to greet a newcomer when we come to the church. I want us to to welcome people in because guess what, guys? You do not know what it took for the person that is sitting next to you to step foot in the service today. There may be people in this room right now who, like, they're on their last straw, and they're giving Jesus one more shot. And your smile and your greeting and your hospitality is encouraging them, even in their walk with Jesus. Really quickly, a woman named Rebecca McLaughlin, I've shared this before, she's an incredible author. I love this because she has these three rules of engagement anytime she comes to church. I'm going to read these to you because these have been so helpful to me. 
When she goes to church with her husband, she says she thinks these three things. One, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. What does that mean? She doesn't mean like this is an emergency, like, yo, they got to go to the hospital or something. What she means is this. She means that whatever I'm doing in the moment, that can wait if that means I should, I should greet a newcomer. Number two, and that means friends as well. She said friends can wait. Now, what that means is if I'm talking to my friend, we should have an eye out for someone that's new and join them into the conversation. And number three, one of the best things that we could do is introduce a newcomer to someone else. We're in a church right now. There have been so many of you that have joined us during the pandemic. And some of you guys have gotten plugged in. And for some of you guys, it's been tough sledding. For those who've been around for five, six, seven years, I want to encourage you, reach out to someone new today. And all this with the aim, and the band can come back out. We want all of this to result in us living lives that point to Jesus. When we are in groups, when we are receiving love and giving love to people who are very much different than us, when we have gatherings that worship Jesus, the words proclaim and people can respond as well, our hope and our prayer with all of this is that we will be a people who are growing in our love of Jesus Christ, that we are growing to be more like Jesus and we're formed in his image. Tonight, even as we close, I want us to participate uh, in this beautiful picture of communion. Now think about all the practices that the Bible gives us and how many things that we do together, and it's intentional. Because we don't lend witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as individuals. We lend witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as a community. We do this together. So in communion, I want to invite you, if you are a believer in Christ and you didn't grab one of the elements on the way in, I want to invite you to go ahead and get up and grab those real quick. And so if you're wondering, what is communion? I'm new to all this. Well, communion or the Lord's Supper is an act that our Savior gave his followers to remember his death, burial, and resurrection until he returns. And when I say remember, I'm not just saying remember like you remember two plus two equals four. What Jesus is calling us to do is to remember the truth of his death, burial, and resurrection and to compare the way that we're living now to the professional faith that we have. Are we living lives worthy of the gospel that we proclaim? So when we remember the gospel, there's there's a couple of things we have an opportunity to do. We have an opportunity, listen, to rejoice in the gospel. You were dead in your sins and Jesus Christ came and saved you. But we also have an opportunity to repent, to think of the ways and repent and confess the ways in which our lives have fallen short of the faith that we proclaim. And guess what? When you confess your sin, our Savior is faithful and just to do what? To forgive you. There's grace waiting for you. So I want us to do this. I want us to stand and you can stand and pray and you can stand and sing along with us, but we're going to sing one last song. And then I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to lead us in taking the elements together. So let's sing, and then I'm going to come back and lead us in this together. Let's sing together.